0: Ready for a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda.
1: No more racing for you boys.
0: She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here... She
1: comes. Thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is August the 29th. Let's take a look at the headlines we are going to be visiting. Mario is losing his voice. NASCAR's lost some drivers. Billy McFarland's back. And wrestling lost some stars. But let's get comfy, everybody. And let's get started. several decades, Charles Martinet has voiced the iconic video game character of Mario in Nintendo's popular series, but apparently those days are now over. Nintendo has announced that Martinet, who rose to a whole new level of fame with the 1996 Super Mario 64, is transitioning into the role of Mario ambassador. The company also confirmed with GameSpot that Martinet will not voice the character in the upcoming Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Martinet has voiced Mario for decades, but in addition to Mario, he also voices Wario, Luigi, Waluigi, Baby Mario, and Baby Luigi, among some other roles in the wider Nintendo universe, which this is a really serious bummer. In its initial statement, Nintendo did say that Martinet will be stepping back from recording character voices for our games. However, Martinet will continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. Now, notably absent from that statement was any indication about Martinet's involvement with this year's big new Mario game. But when asked about whether Martinet would voice Mario in the upcoming Mario Wonder, Nintendo just told GameSpot, look, while Charles is not involved in the game, we're excited to honor his legacy and his contributions, including looking ahead to see what he'll be doing as ambassador. This has been previously a topic of some discussion, as the game's reveal led a lot of fans to wonder if Martinet had been replaced due to some subtle changes in the performance that we saw. But as for who's going to voice Mario, or the others typically voiced by Martinet, Nintendo just said that character voice actors will be credited in the game credits, so please wait for the game to be released. But sharing his own statement, Martinet wrote, My new adventure begins, you were all number one in my heart. And added his iconic voice line of woohoo as a hashtag in the statement.
0: It's me, Mario.
1: Woohoo! Well, Martinet's voice and performance as Mario is just so iconic and it's memorable, which is part of the reason why people got so upset that Mario was not going to be voiced by him, but instead voiced by Chris Pratt when they did the Super Mario Brothers movie. Martinet did have a cameo in the movie, though. Something I learned. He was the voice of Mario and Luigi's father, which honestly, in my opinion, felt rather appropriate.
0: Mario, you are amazing.
1: Can we start a petition to give him a new title and just call him Daddy Mario? Too much? A little weird? Oh, well. We are all very proud of you, Mario. I mean, Mr. Martinet. Happy retirement to you, sir. All right, let's back up just a little bit to September 6th of 2021. And at the age of 54, actor Michael K. Williams was found dead by his nephew at his apartment in the Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn. Williams was best known for his portrayal of the character Omar Little on The Wire, which is an American crime drama television series. On September 24th, the chief medical examiner of New York City ruled it a death by overdose and confirmed that Williams had died of a combination of cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, and more. Now, in February of 2022, police arrested four men in connection with Williams' death. But in April of 2023, drug dealer by the name of Urban Cartagena pleaded guilty to selling the mix of heroin and fentanyl to Williams that resulted in his death. In July of 2023, all four men took guilty pleas. But now Cartagena has been sentenced to 10 years in prison. And this is according to the New York Times. Cartagena is known by the nickname of Green Eyes and had previously pled guilty to a narcotics conspiracy charge. After he was uh, confused, he was very much confused, little man. He was accused of trafficking drugs out of a Brooklyn apartment alongside his three co-defendants who also, like I said, they pled guilty and his involvement in Williams' death um, reportedly factored into his sentencing. The 40-year-old man apologized for his role in the actor's death during his sentencing, saying, I am very sorry for my actions. When we sold the drugs, we never intended for anyone to lose their life. I didn't mean to kill him. Listen to me. Mm, nice try. Still a murder. The judge, Ronnie Abrams, said that any of the other men involved with the fatal drugs could have been charged that day. However, she noticed that the deal caused very clear and very tragic repercussions, especially since Cartagena knew that the heroin contained fentanyl. Williams did not. She added that the length of his sentence was intended to act as a warning to Cartagena, who is also a drug addict, as well as being a warning to others selling the deadly drug. Abrams was quoted as saying, it's got to stop. I am... Yeah, that comes across pretty clear. Cartagena's sentencing is coming less than a month after the co-defendant, Carlos Macchi, was sentenced to two and a half years in prison for the same crime. The other two men involved, they're going to have their sentencing hearings later next month. Now, before Macchi's sentencing, Williams' nephew, Dominic DuPont, pleaded for compassion for the 72-year-old Macchi, as did the Wire creator, David Simmons. I didn't notice any such pleas for mercy for Mr. Cartagena, though. You know, there's a certain creek that people sometimes canoe up without a paddle. And you could say these boys are on that particular creek right now. Two NASCAR drivers have recently been arrested for DWI in Huntersville, North Carolina, and now have been suspended indefinitely, according to officials.
0: Look, they're making a left turn! Oh, they're making another left turn! Oh, they're making another left turn!
1: I wonder what's going to happen next! Well, I'll tell you what they're not going to do. They're not going to be making any left turns for NASCAR. NASCAR authorities told Stars WJZY that drivers Chris Hacker and Jason White were both suspended from NASCAR indefinitely, citing two behavioral conduct standards from its rule books. Both suspensions occurred on Thursday, August 17th. Records show that driver Jason Allen White, age 44, was arrested the afternoon of August 3rd, and Huntersville police records state a DWI arrest at the same time. I definitely know that feeling. White drove a Toyota for the Mooresville-based Tricon garage in the Craftsman Truck Series, where he placed 47th in the 2023 standings. He's also had more than 50 starts in the Xfinity Series. Now, driver Christopher Hacker, age 23, was also pulled over by the Huntersville Police Department just after midnight on August the 15th on I-77 North for excessive speeding, according to the police report.
0: I feel
1: the need, the need for speed. Well, upon further investigation, the Huntersville Police Department said that Hacker had also been arrested for DWI and cited for other traffic-related offenses. The North Carolina Judicial Branch public record shows that Hacker is scheduled for a court appearance on September the 19th. So, in addition to the DWI charge, Hacker is facing charges of reckless driving to endanger, speeding, and one of the worst ones of all, failure to wear a seatbelt. And this is all according to the judicial branch's website. Records also state Hacker has had his driver's license revoked for 30 days, which is standard procedure for a DWI arrest in the state of North Carolina. Hacker competed part-time in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and also the NASCAR infinity series. I don't think we're going to be seeing these guys too much in the future. It is a sad thing to report that WWE Hall of Famer Terry Funk has passed away at the age of 79. Ric Flair shared the news of Funk's passing on X Twitter while Funk's best friend Mick Foley also shared a tribute on the platform. Funk was predeceased by his wife Vicky and leaves behind two daughters, Stacy and Brandy. Funk's wrestling career began back in the nineteen sixties and it lasted for over four decades. It took him around the country, around the world, and he was playing in front of sold-out WWE, WWE crowds. He was entertaining fans in the growing Japanese market with all Japan pro wrestling. And really just quickly became known as a fierce wrestler who wielded just these, all these crazy improvised weapons against his opponents. He would use chairs, he would use ladders, barbed wire, bats, trash cans, and fire. Now, these matches were not for the squeamish and faint of heart, especially when he partnered with Mick Foley. They just took things to a whole new level. Now, modern wrestling fans are all like, oh, chairs, and ladders, barbed wire, tacks, bats, that's just, you know, a John Moxley match. Okay, true, but who do you think he got it from? Funk also took his menacing image to Hollywood back in 1989 and played a bouncer in the film Roadhouse, which also starred Patrick Swayze. He had earlier played the intimidating character of Frankie the Thumper, in a film called Paradise Alley, which was a 1978 wrestling drama starring Sylvester Stallone, of all people. Unfortunately, this is not the only loss that the wrestling world experienced this past week. He's
0: got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in
1: his hands this next one is not one that anybody saw coming popular wwe wrestler Wyndham rotunda better known as bray wyatt passed away at the age of 36 leaving wrestling fans shocked and saddened for the second day in the road literally we got the news about this one one day after hearing about terry wwe executive paul michael levesque which is uh, better known as triple h revealed the news of Bray Wyatt's unexpected passing on X twitter He said, quote, just received a call from WWE Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda, who is Wyndham's father. He informed us of the tragic news that our WWE family member for life, Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, unexpectedly passed earlier today. Our thoughts are with his family, and we ask that everyone respect their privacy at this time. So, according to wrestling reporter Sean Ross Sapp, Rotunda died of a heart attack after getting COVID. COVID apparently exacerbated some heart issues. Wrestling fans immediately took to social media to mourn Rotunda, with one account even calling him one of the greatest minds in wrestling. This is nothing to detract away from the loss of Terry Funk. Terry Funk had been around, like I said, for four decades. He was older, and he was suffering from dementia. Bray Wyatt was supposed to be coming back soon. His father, Mike, had even said he was close to returning and that his health had improved significantly as recently as just this past month. He's been gone for several months because of what had been described as a life-threatening illness. Rotunda began wrestling around 2009 and he eventually made his way into the WWE where he played the villainous leader of the Wyatt family with his signature phrase being follow the buzzards and later introduced a supernatural alter ego character known as the Fiend. The unmasking of The Fiend as Rotunda is widely seen as a great moment in wrestling history. Ultimately, it's just really been a very difficult several days for wrestling as fans grappled with the loss of a pair of iconic wrestlers. I will give them a lot of credit. The WWE did a really, really wonderful job commemorating the lives of both of these wonderful wrestlers. They have so much footage from Terry Funk from his ECW days to his WWE days. Uh, not as much for Bray Wyatt, but still quite a few iconic moments. And seeing all of the the staff, the wrestlers on stage doing this memorial, it was almost hard to watch without wanting to shed a tear or two. Our condolences go out to the Funk family as well as the Rotunda family. Both of these men will truly be missed, not just by their co-workers, but but by the fan base as well. May they both rest in peace. So, for this next story, we need to cover a little bit of background info. Back in 2017, a businessman by the name of Billy McFarlane And rapper Ja Rule came together to create this luxurious music event called the fire festival and it was created with the intent of promoting the company's fire app for booking music talent sounds cool the festival was scheduled to take place April 28th through 30th and May 5th through 7th of 2017 on the Bahamas island of Great Exuma the event was promoted everywhere especially on Instagram by a lot of social media influencers, such as Kendall Jenner, uh, Bella Hadid, Haley Baldwin, and just more, many of whom didn't disclose initially that they were actually paid to do so. During the Fire Festival's inaugural weekend, April 2017, the event experienced problems related to security, food, accommodation, medical services, and artist relations. And that resulted in this festival being postponed indefinitely and eventually canceled. Instead of these luxurious villas and these gourmet meals that the festival attendees had paid hundreds of dollars for, they got prepackaged sandwiches and poorly furnished tents as their accommodation. As a result of this disaster, McFarland and Ja Rule were the subject of a $100 million lawsuit in the state of California. Ja Rule was later dismissed from the lawsuit by a judge in July of 2019. It was filed on behalf of the plaintiff, Daniel Jung, by entertainment lawyer, Mark Garagos, who was seeking class action status with the lawsuit for more than 150 plaintiffs. Several lawsuits later, filed in different states, mind you, The New York Times reported McFarlane and his associates were under an active federal criminal investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation for mail fraud, wire fraud, and securities fraud. This case was overseen by the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York. June 30, 2017, McFarlane was arrested and charged with at least one count of wire fraud, to which he pled guilty and served four years in federal prison. Okay, caught up? Awesome. We now regret to inform you that Fire Festival 2 tickets are officially on sale. Wait, what? All right, well, it seems that Billy McFarland's stint in prison for fraud gave him time to churn out a 50 page business plan to revive the Fire Festival, and now you can buy tickets. In a YouTube video that was posted on August the 20th, the convicted con artist officially announced Fire Festival 2, set to take place in the Caribbean sometime at the end of 2024. But the specific dates and the location and the festival lineup haven't been revealed. The tickets are currently on sale starting at $499, going all the way up to $7,999 according to the festival website. Let's take a listen straight from the organizer's mouth.
2: What's up guys, this is a big day because as of right now, Fire Festival 2 tickets are officially on sale. It has been the absolute wildest journey to get here and it really all started during the seventh month stint in solitary confinement. I wrote out this 50 page plan of how it would take this overall interest and demand in fire, and how it would take my ability to bring people from around the world together to make the impossible happen but how would find the best partners in the world to allow me to be me while executing fire's vision to the highest level in my first year i partnered with one of the biggest and best tv companies in the world to produce a documentary called after the fire i've also worked with one of the biggest production companies to sign a deal to produce fire festival the broadway musical and finally today we are announcing fire festival too we spoke to people as far away as the middle east and South America, and ultimately, we decided that Fire Festival Two is coming back to the Caribbean. We are targeting Fire Festival Two for the end of next year, and in the meantime, we'll be doing pop-ups and events across the world. Guys, this is your chance to get in. This is everything I've been working towards. You got
1: to give this ago. man a little bit of credit here for his uh, persistence in this, but I, I got to tell you, I I started laughing—not quite hysterically, but quite loudly—when uh, he mentioned. <laughs> The, uh, the musical, Fire Festival, the musical. Um, well, yeah, persistent. So all ticket sales revenue is gonna be held in an escrow account until the final date is announced according to a later statement from McFarland and added that he has plans to hold pop-up events around the world in the meantime. And here's the other crazy thing. People are actively buying the tickets. McFarland said that tickets for round two were now officially on sale But just by two days later, all 100 of them had been sold out. A fan by the name of Victoria Medvedenko and her boyfriend Cooper spent nearly $550 each to be among the first buyers. According to CBS News interview, she said, if anything, it'll just be a really cool vacation. Our main concern is that we don't know if big headliners will be willing to, you know, take that risk to be in something so controversial. But we're going to stay optimistic. But we're going to also expect that there may be just some cheese sandwiches awaiting. And you know what? At least they know what they might be getting into this time. Fire beware, right? Just give me back my money. Buyer beware, dude. But you know, despite all the jokes, I actually do hope that for McFarlane's sake, it actually does work out. I mean, a festival of this size and this magnitude, this could be just one of the most epic things ever to be created. And I think that's what part of the hype was for the first one. So... You know what? Good luck to you, McFarlane. Let's see how this one turns out for you. And hopefully not back in solitary. My, my. Preseason football just keeps getting more and more interesting. Dallas Cowboys defensive end Sam Williams was recently arrested on possession of a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of weapons charges, according to the Frisco police. The Cowboys told Fox News Digital they currently have no comment at this point, but added that the organization is aware of the situation. They are dealing with Williams directly while the legal process continues. Williams returned to Texas early with the Cowboys facing their preseason matchup with the Seattle Seahawks. He was arrested later that day, though he was present for the team's meeting and training camp practice the following Tuesday. According to the police report obtained by Fox News Digital, Frisco police stopped Williams due to him driving 71 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. You know, kind of like those NASCAR drivers earlier. The officer who stopped Williams noticed the smell of marijuana coming from the car and asked if he had any marijuana on him. Williams told the officer he was not allowed to smoke at his residence and resorted to smoking in the car. He also showed the officers a water bottle. That was used as an ashtray with visible cigars floating in it. Williams then consented to a search of his person and the officer searched the vehicle. The search produced a raw brand rolling machine, an open pack of rolling papers, and a white vape. The vape then was the reason for the possession of a controlled substance charge. Marijuana in a small glass jar was also found in the vehicle.
0: Hey man, Am I driving okay? I think we're parked, man.
1: During the search, the officer also located Williams' Glock 17 handgun, which the football player noted was in the rear of his vehicle prior to the search. The unlawful carrying of a weapon was due to having the vape and marijuana in his vehicle while in possession of the handgun. Williams is subject to fine or suspension for the incident under the league's personal conduct policy. Now, this is not the first time that Williams, who was a second-round draft pick out of Old Miss in the 2022 NFL draft, has had an off-the-field issue. Williams was involved in a car accident where his vehicle ended up totaled near the Cowboys practice facility back in December of 22. He would later be cited for misdemeanor reckless driving after driving 100 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone while weaving through traffic. And I thought women were bad drivers. The Plano Police Department told Fox News Digital at the time Williams had been driving near Texas State Highway 121 and Preston Road when his vehicle struck another vehicle while attempting a left turn. Both Williams and the driver of the other vehicle were transported to a hospital for treatment. Williams ended up missing a game for the Cowboys while in concussion protocol. Didn't seem to knock any sense into him though. Dr. Disrespect has been one of the most popular streamers on YouTube ever since being mysteriously banned from Twitch in the summer of 2020. but he is actually interested in finding a new home kick began its launch by signing a number of big names including twitch star felix xqc to a lucrative 100 million dollar deal leading many to wonder if the doc would also be offered a chance to join the site well shortly after xqc's deal dr disrespect named his price
2: One million dollars. You put a
0: one and two zeros in front of that and we pass.
1: Deal. Mm, Nice try, guys, but not quite. Dr. Disrespect requested 50 million. And while Kick's CEO revealed he was in talks with Doc's team to get a deal done, nothing had materialized. And we might finally have a reason why. In an interview with streamer Big E, Kick's head of product, Polly Kianisi, was asked about Dr. Disrespect and when fans could expect to see him on the platform. Kianisi revealed Doc wants 50 mil and Doc's not playing around with that number. Which seems to imply that the 50 million number is pretty firm and that the two-time champ isn't going to settle for anything less and it's just going to continue to stream on YouTube. It's also possible that the kick team just doesn't feel like Doc is actually worth that amount, and maybe talks broke down. So we may not end up seeing Doctor Disrespect packing up that arena from YouTube, you know, anytime soon. He's not worth it. Well, I mean, that's just your opinion, man. Well, the YouTuber may have actually alluded to Kick not wanting to pay up during a stream back in June that he did. He was discussing the offer and saying he wasn't sure how much money they actually have. Doc also hinted that his current commitments and his business ventures may also be impacting a deal, referencing his game studio, Midnight Society, and Black Street Bourbon.
0: Yeah, well, I'm
2: busy. Yeah, doing what?
1: Washing my hair. Well, yeah, sure. Gotta keep that mustache in good shape, right? Swear we just can't catch a break. The DC Universe has suffered another loss, and once again, Mark Hamill's Joker has lost a partner. Arlene Sorkin, the original voice of the iconic Batman the Animated Series villain, Harley Quinn, has passed. She was 67. News of her death began circulating on social media, and Mark Hamill, who was the longtime voice of the Joker across multiple projects, was among those to confirm the news. He wrote on X Twitter, Devastated to learn we've lost the brilliant Arlene Sorkin. Not just a wonderful talent, but a truly wonderful person. I am grateful not only to have worked with her, but to have been her friend. Sending my heartfelt condolences to her family and her loved ones. Among those also paying tribute to Arlene was James Gunn, whose Suicide Squad film featured Harley Quinn in a very prominent role, and also Jim Cummings, the voice actor behind Darkwing Duck and other 90s beloved characters. Fans of the Batman animated series will recall we also lost Kevin Conroy as our Batman back in November of 2022. So I'm gonna age myself just a tiny little bit here and admit I knew of Arlene Sorkin much earlier than Batman. For me, she was the quirky Calliope Jones of Salem, on Days of Our Lives, the soap opera, back in the 1980s. Good morning, son.
0: Good morning, moon. Good morning, me.
1: So there was this one episode I remember of Days of Our Lives. It, it, it was a dream sequence, and Calliope was dressed as a jester. This particular sequence apparently inspired her college buddy, Paul Denny, who was one of the co-creators of the Batman series. They hired her as a voice actor for one of Joker's henchmen or henchwoman really before she ended up getting promoted to the top female henchwoman herself Harley Quinn and she honestly would just go on to do that part for decades starting in 1992 until she retired from Harley in 2011. She would even reprise the role in Batman Arkham Asylum and DC Universe Online. Sorkin's portrayal of Quinn just really shone the light on what some people considered a background character. Harley didn't start off popular, but that light showed that Harley was a villain in her own right, to the point where her character is now the star of her own animated series. Lady Gaga is set to portray her in Joker 2, opposite of Joaquin Phoenix. So, rip Mrs. S, you'll be sorely missed
0: show you started tomorrow you'll see I am just as sane as anybody
1: Oh sure sure but where's the fun in that?
0: It's time for the box office breakdown
1: another weekend another box office to break down. How did Barbie and Oppenheimer do after their long-running supremacy? A couple of uh, new releases come out. Let's see where they all ended up. So, who actually did win the box office this weekend? Well, it kind of depends on who you talk to. It's been a while since the domestic box office enjoyed a nice little shake-up, but that's what happened this week thanks to a couple of new debuts and some falling fortunes officially according to box office mojo the video game adaptation slash true story of Gran Turismo just barely beat Barbie to claim the top spot and by just barely we're talking maybe $200,000 separated the movie Gran Turismo made $17.3 in its debut with Barbie making 17.1 in its sixth week. Now, the controversy is that Warner Brothers is claiming that Sony Pictures, who backed Gran Turismo, is counting their Thursday numbers that it released on Thursday, and they're counting those numbers into the $17.3 million, which is what they always do. So Warner Brothers is saying that Barbie technically won the weekend, and I'm going to say that with quotations, the weekend, because if you look at the three-day numbers that Gran Turismo didn't beat Barbie, so Barbie won the Friday, Saturday, Sunday numbers, but considering it was a new release, and they always do include that extra day, Gran Turismo officially won the weekend. All right, so what's Gran Turismo all about? We know it's a video game. But the movie itself follows the story of Jan Martenborough in dramatic form, of course. And it's about a young boy going from gaming in his bedroom to winning the 2011 GT Academy, which was an annual competition that when it ran from 2008 to 2016, it put Gran Turismo's best players into real vehicles to driving formula cars professionally. They literally took players out of their bedrooms and off of their consoles and put them in a car and while Jan himself wasn't the star of the movie he actually did get to do his own character st- stunt driving because you know how cool is that the top five of this weekend finished Blue Beetle fell to third place after debuting at number one with only 12 million this week Oppenheimer fourth place with nine million this week and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem with six million both Barbie and Oppenheimer are still holding on really well into the top five six weeks in and while they've definitely slowed down in the past month they just haven't slowed down that much now some of the box office critics blame the fact that the state of California had this storm come through this tropical storm hit and it shut things down for some time they also had the earthquake that they had to deal with And so there was a lot of of blaming going around as to why the box office wasn't as strong this past weekend. Uh, But also keep in mind, kids are back in school. We got extracurriculars starting back up. Parents are not going to have as much time to take their kids to the movies to see something like Blue Beetle or Gran Turismo. I do think that the box office is starting to lose just a little bit of momentum. And I can't say that it's because of the SAG after strikes that are still going on. Uh, they, which quick update on that, they're actually still in the middle of doing talks. So it's not just the, the protesting and the strike walkouts and such. They're actively speaking and they're trying to negotiate. It's just neither side is happy with any options that are bringing to the table. And there's been a lot of public complaints. Bob Iger's been making comments about how insulting the offers are. Uh, the actors, there's more and more joining the picket lines. But overall, they're just not happy with the way negotiations are going, and it just doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Uh, we got the Emmys that got pushed back as well. But uh, regardless, we're, gonna, we're still watching. We're still trying to report on it. It's just right now there's been no progress to report, so they're continuing to pick it. So to recap this week's top five, Grand Turismo took number one, followed by Barbie, Blue Beetle, Oppenheimer, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: And now... Something different.
1: A North Carolina woman who is believed to be missing has been arrested after allegedly tricking her friends, family, and police into thinking she had been murdered. Margaret Frances Elizabeth Sweeney, also known as Maggie, 37, of Franklin, North Carolina, was reported missing on August the 18th, after one of her friends told the Franklin Police Department that she was either going to be killed or was already dead. You're having a bad day? Did you die? But the good news, bad news of this situation, I guess you could say is that, well, Maggie Sweeney was found safe the next day in a neighboring town, with Sergeant Randy Doula discovering the missing woman had allegedly made an anonymous third-party tip about her death to the worried friend and the Department of Social Services. The department said in a statement, Sweeney's actions caused our department, as well as other departments, many hours of work, which could have been spent on other matters. Family, friends, and the community as a whole were also very concerned and worried about Sweeney's welfare. Sweeney was ultimately charged with filing a false report to a police station, falsely reporting a death or serious injury by telephonic communication, and obstructing law enforcement officers.
2: That's when I got the brilliant idea to fake my death.
1: However, it remains unclear why Sweeney allegedly tried to fake her disappearance and death, with her even lashing out at police for posting an update on her case on Facebook. Sweeney wrote in the comments section of the post, quote, social media has us believing we're entitled to know about a peop- about people and situations that have nothing to do with us. In place of support, we ridicule those that do not answer questions that make them uncomfortable. I decide when, what, with, and whom I confide in. No one for a long time, unquote. Well, that's a little bit of aggressive don't you think a few episodes ago I covered the story of Carly Russell who threw the whole community of Hoover Alabama into a frenzy last month after allegedly faking her own kidnapping the 26 year old nursing student had made headlines after she vanished vanished on interstate 459 where she was heard screaming in a phone call to relatives when supposedly stopping to look for a lost toddler
0: Mr. Reed, it is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue.
1: Russell, however, she turned up just a few days later with this harrowing story of how she escaped her kidnappers with police disputing her claims over a string of evidence that allegedly showed she was preparing a fake kidnapping. Keep your browsers clean, guys. The search history going to do you in every time. Russell was charged with one count of one count of false reporting to law enforcement and one count of falsely reporting an incident and she's currently waiting a sentencing i'm going to be very curious and i'm going to keep an eye on this one to find out why maggie sweeney decided that she needed to fake a kidnapping. i mean or or murder i mean what's going on in that life that's going to cause you to go that drastic of a route and obviously she didn't get far she was found fairly quickly so um Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on this one. I'll let you know if I hear an update. Well, our next story kind of gives a whole new meaning to porch Pirates. According to the Coweta County Sheriff's Office in Georgia, a Georgia man has been charged with a felony for allegedly removing a porch from his neighbor's front yard. You heard that right, a porch, the literal porch. Robert Swanger was arrested after the incident on Clement Harris Road in Arnco, Georgia. Fox 5 Atlanta reported that the proprietor of the property from which Swanger allegedly stole the porch stated that nothing was available for theft despite the lot's apparent abandonment. According to investigators, Swanger reportedly passed several no trespassing signs in the yard on his way to remove the wooden porch left on the property after the home itself was removed it's an eight by ten porch that's a full-size porch guys it was apparently very well constructed as well and i do have a good appreciation for stuff that is very well constructed because as you know if you want something done do yourself swinger has been referred to by investigators as a literal porch pirate for the crime A term generally used to refer to someone suspected of stealing packages from a home's doorstep. During the incident investigation, deputies claimed that the porch turned up on his property upside down. After several days of scouring, Swanger was located by deputies who responded to a domestic disturbance call at his residence. In addition to the felony theft allegation for stealing the porch, well, he is now also being charged with two counts of domestic violence, including assault, because the theft just wasn't enough.
0: You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me.
1: And don't forget that's Captain. Captain Jack Sparrow. So we had some porch pirates, and we had some fake deaths, a couple of real passings, a few arrests, I don't know, history may repeat itself and we had an emotional goodbye to a retiring legend. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun.
0: You have been listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in The Starter Zone.